Good morning, New Creation family. How's everybody doing this morning? We just say God's morning to you, to our guests who are joining us. We want you to come on, join us. Anybody got a testimony this morning? Anybody got a hallelujah in them? Hallelujah anyhow. No matter what's going on in our lives, you ought to be able to say hallelujah anyhow. Amen. Thank the Lord this morning. Come on, help me with this one, y'all. Let's take it down south a little bit. Yeah. Here we go, y'all. Come on. Yeah. Yes, I do. Can't do it in a Father God. You woke us up and started us on this beautiful day. Your name is to be praised today. Father God, we give you all praise, honor, and glory, and we thank you right now. Thank you, Father God, for the activity of our limbs. Thank you for food, clothing, and shelter. Thank you, Father God, that you still rule and super rule this world. Thank you, Father God, that things aren't as bad as they sometimes seem. Because you sit high, but you do look low. Father God, we ask right now that you would just continue to bless as only you can bless. Heal and deliver. Set captives free. Father God, have your way in our lives. Bless your preached word this morning, Father God. Sit me down. Holy Spirit, stand up in me. The people need to hear the Holy Spirit and not me. 
So we thank you this morning. We give you all praise, honor, and glory for all that you're doing, all that you shall do, and all that you've already done. We give you the highest praise. Hallelujah. Anyhow, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, how y'all doing this morning? I am feeling great, and I hope you're feeling great. If you're not feeling great, then get to feeling great, because God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. We're going to get into what we, we've come to do, that is to deliver God's holy word. But do me a favor, check this video out. Wow, I don't know about you, but that was a pretty powerful video. Very short, but very powerful. If you would, grab your sword. Let's head to Philippians chapter 3, and let's go to verses 7 and 8. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to go to verses 7 and 8. Amen? And I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version of this for our hearing this morning, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Hope you're all there. Let's listen to what God's word has to say. Paul says this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Beloved, this morning, I want to draw your attention to the thought, the theme, lose to gain. Lose to gain. 
Keith and Dorothy, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that somebody's probably scratching their head silently saying to him, that, that, that preacher done lost his mind. He's just crazy. How can loss be gained? How can loss be gained? I mean, after all, as, as a young boy coming up, winning was everything to me. Every team I ever went out and, and was on, the coach never talked about losing. He talked about winning. So winning was everything. Nobody, nobody wants to be on the losing team. Nobody wants to be the bad news bears. I don't know if you, any, if you remember this, this movie started Walter, Walter Matthau, Tatum O'Neill, the bad news bears. Nobody wants to be known as the bad news bears. Nobody wants to be identified as a loser. I, I don't know anybody that wants to be identified as a loser. Listen, listen. You don't look forward to a participation ribbon. No, no. What you want, you want to be holding up the championship trophy. That's what we want. Now, we're here in Vegas, and nobody comes to Vegas, goes to the casino, and simply hands their money over to the blackjack dealer. You don't go to the bingo hall and just sit there staring blankly into space, not diving or marking your squares as their numbers are being called out. For some people, beloved, winning is everything. They're consumed with winning. It's, it's everything to them. Look at this. Look at this. In, in corporate culture, in the sports culture, and in the media, we honor those who win at all costs. We, we honor them. We, we, we put them up. We don't want to talk about the losers. You'll hear people say things like this. I'm in it to win it. Or I win, you lose. Or the other one over there is win at all costs. No matter what it takes, win at all costs. Beloved, our, our text this morning is, well, let me put it this way. It's not going to be comfortable for some of you because you're not going to like what the Holy Spirit is going to say. Some of you may even decide to turn off the TV or log off your computer. But I promise, if you hang in here with me just a little while, God is going to show you how loss is gain. Now, now one thing, one thing I've, I've observed in my Christian walk is that God has not called believers to be like everybody else. Put that in the chat, not like everybody else. Let's look at what he told us in 1 Peter 2 and 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I like that part, a peculiar people. Anybody, anybody want to be peculiar? 
you don't want to be like everybody else, but you want to be peculiar. My brothers and sisters, we are called to be like the Atlantic salmon, the American shad, the spotted sea trout, the hilsa, and the sturgeon. What, what are you talking about, preacher? Uh, why are you referencing all these species of fish? Well, look at them. Look at them. Look at them. Like these fish, we must swim upstream against the currents of this sinful world. We must navigate the crashing waves, the riptides, and the boisterous winds that the enemy sends our way to deter, scare, and manipulate us. But as we learn in our text today, one of the biggest obstacles we face is ourselves. The sin of me is running rampant in churches today. The Apostle Paul understood this fact, and on many occasions, he would address this issue head on. Please understand, my brothers and sisters, Paul was no punk preacher. He did not water down the gospel. He did not sugarcoat God's holy word. Oh, beloved, where are the modern-day Paul's where are they? Where are they? Where are those who will stand and preach the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ? Where are they? Mm. Well, as we examine today's text, we will see that everything Paul could boast about as gain for him, he counted as loss, that he might gain Christ. Let's look at something here. Let's go back a little bit to Philippians 3, 4, and 6, right above where our text was. Paul said this. He said, although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, Paul said, I have more. Look at this. Look at this. Here he goes. Here he goes. He, he says, I'm circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Paul says, hey, look, now, now I can boast if I wanted to. And, and here's why I can boast. And he lists these things. Then over in Galatians 1, 13 and 14, he went on and said this, For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Yeah, that's what Paul had to say about himself. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us today. Beloved, what I like, what I like about Paul, he didn't dwell long about who he was or what he had. Just as he talked about 
his religious pedigree in verses 4 and 6. And in Galatians 1, 13 and 14, we, we, we start to see a shift as we look at our text today. We see this shift. We see this movement. We see this epiphany, if you will, that caused Paul to realize that nothing compared to gaining Christ. Paul told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, For I am determined, say I'm determined, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right, let's break this thing down. Let's look at these verses and see if we can get a better understanding of what Paul had to say. Let's go back to the text here. Now, as I look at this text, and as you see it, three things jump out to me, and I've highlighted those three things so that you can look at it. In verse 7, Paul here says, whatever gain. And then in verse 8, he says, everything and all things. Whatever gain, everything and all things. Whatever gain, everything and all things. Hmm. Brothers and sisters, sadly, most people treasure or value in this life can be found in these words. Whatever gain, everything, and all things. People believe that to, to be on the plus side or the uptick of life, their net worth must center around whatever gain, everything, and all things. Ah, but look at this. Paul equated these things as loss. Look at the text again. Look at it. Paul said, but whatever gain I had, huh, whatever gain I had, he says, I count it as loss. He says, I count everything as loss. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. And then he goes on to say, I have suffered the loss of all things. That's what Paul had to say because he realized what each of us must realize. If I have everything that I ever wanted, but I don't have Christ, then I actually have nothing at all. Oh, Lord Jesus. If I have everything I ever wanted, but I don't have Christ, then actually I have nothing at all. Paul said in verse 7, as we look at it, he said, I counted. He's speaking in the past tense here alluding to the fact that one day I was Saul. I was Saul. I was Saul. I was Saul. I was the persecutor of the Christians. I was that man. I was that man. He knew that being Saul, he knew who he was, and what he had as Saul was of great comfort and importance to him. His pedigree that we read in verses 5 and 6 speaks to this fact. Let's look at that. Let's look at that. 
circumcised the eighth day according to the law of the nation of Israel. I am somebody of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm going to break it down to you and tell you where I came from. I'm a Hebrew, born of Hebrews. Though I was from Tarsus, I was a Hebrew. Regarding the law, he says I was a Pharisee. Look, I knew the law. I knew the law. Regarding zeal, persecuting the church. Hey, nobody did it better than me. I persecuted the church. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, he says blameless. I, I, I upheld the law to the highest standard. I knew the law backwards and forward, and I would hold it up against anything and anybody. Paul, beloved, is letting us know that in the darkness of sin and depravity, when we had no love for God, no zeal for the things of God, we counted some things precious to us, money, fame, fortune, prestige, a good time, a good smoke, a good drink, a good woman, a good man, the best of the best, the, the finest of the finest. Robin Leach would say champagne wishes and caviar dreams. We were content in the muck and mire of sinful living. As the old hymn says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. I counted. I counted. I counted. Let's keep looking. Let's keep looking. Paul went on into, in verse 8, and he says, in, in, in verse 8, he says, indeed, I count. Indeed, I count. Now he's talking present tense. In my present situation and circumstance, I, I must daily count. Somebody put that in the chat. I must daily count. Now that God has found me in the muck and the mire of sinful living and decided to save me by the precious blood of his darling son, Jesus Christ. Now I can sing the last part of that previous hymn. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Paul realized after his Damascus Road experience that he was no longer Saul, the persecutor of Christian believers, because he had an encounter with the Savior. And the things that he used to do, he didn't do anymore. Paul went from talking about himself and his pedigree to talking about our great God. He said, I count, I count, I count. Brothers and sisters, are you counting today? Can you say like Paul, I count, I count, I count. Listen, every day, every day, we must count the cost. Every day, we must realize how far we fall short of God's glory. Every day. We must be prepared to give an answer 
to every man that asks us a reason of the hope that is in us. Look at this. Look at this. Have you counted up the cost? Have you counted up the cost? Have you counted up the cost? Because I'm here to tell you today, your new life is going to cost you your old one. Y'all didn't hear me. I said your new life is going to cost you your old one. Anybody ready to turn that in, that old life, so that you can have a new life in Christ Jesus? My Lord, my Lord. Paul continued by saying that he had suffered the loss of all things. Beloved, now here's where the rubber meets the road. Can we be honest for a minute? Many of us are not willing or ready to suffer the loss of all things. Let that sink in. Many of us, we're just not ready to suffer the loss of all things. Oh, oh I know, I know, I know, I know. We, we talk a good game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We know all the churchy words and phrases we're supposed to say. You know, how you feeling today, brother? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. How you doing today, sweetie? Oh, I'm just feeling, I'm feeling so good. The Lord's just been so good to me. But are you really ready to give up everything for the Lord? We know these things. We say these things all the time. We know how to act like a Christian. We know how to put the mask on around one another. But the fact of the matter is this. The fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. The fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. Does anybody desire gain today? Does anybody want gain and doesn't care about loss? Some people feel like what God wants them to give up in order to have a deeper and more meaningful relationship with him is too much. You've heard them. You've heard them. It don't take all of that. Now, now, now that's just a little too much. They will even try to bargain with God because they don't want to lose any of their worldly pleasures. Beloved, as we continue examining the text, we begin to see why Paul was so adamant about loss being gained. The text points out three reasons why Paul didn't go crazy about the things he lost. As we look at these reasons, ask yourself, can this be said of me? Take an honest look at your life and assess where you are in your Christian walk. The first reason Paul said in verse 7, he said, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ, for the sake of Christ. But preacher, what does that mean? For the sake of Christ means that by counting everything as loss, 
We seek to deal with worldly things in such a way that shows to others these things are not our treasure because Jesus Christ is our treasure. In other words, we, we hold these worldly things loosely. We share what we have generously and only ascribe value to the things of God. For the sake of Christ means that no matter what, I'm sold out to him. Whether I'm up or whether I'm down, whether I'm in good health or whether I'm in the hospital, whether I'm single, married, divorced, or widowed, <laughs> no matter what, no matter what, whatever losses I may have to endure, it's all for the sake of Christ. The second reason, my brothers and sisters, Paul said in verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, I've got some questions I want to ponder to you. Do you know the added value of having Jesus Christ in your life? Do you know the added value that having Jesus Christ in your life what that value adds to your life. Second one, do your actions and your lifestyle reflect how precious Jesus is to, to you? Do your actions and your lifestyle reflect how precious Jesus is to you? In other words, are you a 24-7 Christian or are you a Sunday-only Christian. Hmm. You got to ask yourself some hard questions this morning. Look, knowing Christ must be our top priority. I said to know him, not to know about him. There's a difference. To know him means to be intimate with him, to spend time with him, to walk with him and talk with him. In verse 10 of this same chapter, Paul said, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. For Paul, if everything was a loss to gain Christ, this meant that Christ was his top priority. Everything else was a loss only because Christ was the focus of his life. One more question I want to ponder to you. What is your top priority? What is your top priority? Is it the kids? Is it the spouse? Is it the job? Is it the car, the house, money? What is it that's your top priority? Hmm. The third and final reason, beloved, Paul said in verse 8, was because he had suffered the loss of all things in order that I may gain Christ. He said, I've suffered some things. I've had to go through some things. And if you've ever done the study on the life of Paul, you can attest to the fact that he did suffer quite a lot. But he said, I did all of that 
in order that I may gain Christ. Paul recognized that the security of gaining Christ meant that he would have to endure some losses. He was not trying to hold on to what God wanted him to lose. He gladly gave up those worldly pleasures to develop a more meaningful relationship with God. We, my brothers and sisters, like Paul, must be ready to suffer losses. We must be so focused on Christ that we hardly realize when the losses happen. Hmm. Somebody today may be asking the question, how do I gain Christ? Beloved, we gain him by having a singleness of mind where we give up everything to pursue intimacy with him. The prophet Jeremiah reminds us in Jeremiah 29 and 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. How, brother preacher, do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when you realize that it's not about you anymore. How do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when you leave the past behind. How do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when you pick up your cross daily and follow him. How do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when you watch yourself die to yourself. How do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when you consider your achievements and your accomplishments as loss. How do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when he's your top priority. How, brother preacher, do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when you place your faith and your trust in him. How do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when you continually cultivate a sincere desire for him. How do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when you continually experience him. How do I gain Christ? You gain Christ when you view everything outside of God as garbage, rubbish, or dung. Look at this. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So, my brothers and sisters, as I, as I come to a close to this teaching, I got to ask you, what's in your garbage can? What's in your garbage can? What have you put as rubbish, as dung, as I don't need anymore? What is it? that you've placed in the garbage can. And you know, when you put stuff in the garbage can, you don't go back to get it again. So don't go back when you place something in the garbage can. Don't go back and try to get it because it's loss that you may gain Christ Jesus. Oh, beloved, 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 beloved. Loss is gain. Loss is gain. Yes, yes, it's gain. Because we gain the greatest thing we can ever have 
in our lives. We gain Jesus Christ. So lose it. Lose it. If you got to lose some friends, lose some friends. If you got to lose the job, lose the job. Now you're talking crazy. But no, I'm not. Because, see, you don't know what God has in store for you. You holding on to a job, he's probably trying to get you to let go of so he can give you a better job. What is it? You've got to place in the garbage can that you may gain Christ Jesus. Oh, beloved, beloved, loss is gain. Loss is gain. But here's the thing about it. You've got to do something. You've got to give up some things. You've got to let go of some things. And then once you've let it go and once you've given it up, you've got to just say to the Lord, Lord, do it. Do it, Lord. Do it for me. Do it, Lord. Do it, please, for me. I need you, Lord, just simply to do it for me. I need you to do it, Lord, for me. I've got to. I've given it up, Lord. I've given up those base things, and I need you to do it for me. Yes, let's listen to this. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. No matter what you got to give up in this life, give it up. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? Say, Lord, do it. Work it out in my life. Yes, yes, yes. Your will will be done, Lord. Yes, yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today. Loss is gain. We can lose everything except you. Because when we have you, we have everything that we need. So, Lord, teach us how to lose some things in our life that we're trying to hold on to. Put it in the garbage can and leave it there because, as Paul said, it's nothing but rubbish. It's nothing but dung. Oh, that I may gain Christ. Do it, Lord, today. We thank you now. We praise you. We give you all honor and glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved, be blessed as you go throughout this day. Continue to let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Do it, Lord. Do it today. We look forward to seeing you this afternoon, 5 o'clock for the pastor's chat. Until then... Be blessed, stay blessed, and keep on loving God.